Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. Well, good morning again, Grace family. Yeah, it's good to see you and hear you today. Fun to be on the worship team. Um, and be able to look out and to see a different perspective than I would normally. And uh, I, last week, we, we concluded our time together. Uh, you were given a small piece of uh, white paper to write down specifically what you are choosing to forgive. Looking at the parable of the ungrateful servant last week, and so I have this on my desk right now is a stack of papers that were filled out by those of you that were here um, that, that described what you were choosing to forgive. And if you didn't have a chance to do that, I don't know if we have, I mean, you can use whatever, an offering envelope or your grocery list or whatever, but just write on it what you're choosing to forgive, drop it in the offering box, and we'll add it to this stack. Because we're going to do something kind of fun with those, and fun in, a, in an edifying way here in a couple of weeks. But I wanted to read you just, uh, I, pulled, I pulled five of them out just to read you as a sample of some of the things that people were choosing to let go of last week. I had to sort through them for some of the young people in our church made some that I thought, oh, this is an amazing test. Wait a second. This is a made-up story. Yeah, Christian's laughing right now, but it wasn't him. No, of course not. So I pulled those out. But there was a lot of really good ones. And let me just give you, these are five. I forgive. I forgive the belittling and demeaning comments of another. I forgive others when they have made me feel unseen and unheard. I forgive physical and emotional abuse. I forgive myself for my addictive behavior. I forgive others for their selfishness and unkindness toward me. And I got a whole stack of these. And I just, I don't want to just press past that. I want to pause here and just say, that that, that I'm reading and those that are, that are those testimonies, that, those things are miraculous. When someone can look beyond what was done to them and in the, in the same spirit in which Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them, can let go of the offense of another person, can let that go, that is a miracle of healing that takes place in a heart. So I don't, it's not a little thing. It's a really, really big thing. People say, I want to see God do miracles. Absolutely, I do too. But when someone can say, I'm choosing to let go, I'm no longer going to hold this offense against another person. I'm going to give them grace. I'm going to to recognize that I have been forgiven 4.64 billion compared to the 8,900 that someone else owes me. We are walking in the kingdom way when we do such things. So thank you for doing that. If you want to add your testimony of forgiveness to that, please just jot it down, get it to us in some way or another, and we'll add it to the list. So let's pray together. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, we've been praying a lot this morning. By the way, turn to the person next to you and say, it's good that churches pray. It's, we ought to be praying. I mean, of all the things we ought to do, we ought to be praying. Luke chapter 24, after Jesus rose from the dead before he ascended, he was with his disciples. And and verse 45 of that chapter says this. This has been like my thing lately, focused on this. Luke records this. He says, then he, talking about Jesus, Jesus, he says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's what we want to pray for right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you, by your spirit, would open our minds to understand the word. 
and that you would open our understanding in such a way that we are hearing the Holy Spirit teach us the principles and, and, the, and the concepts and the ways of the kingdom of God, that we might be a people transformed, that we might be a people that look increasingly like Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. If you have your Bible or device, would you open up this morning to Luke chapter 21? Luke chapter 21. We've been doing this series of messages on breakthrough, and we've been focusing breakthrough in two areas specifically, focusing on how God breaks through in two areas specifically, finances and forgiveness. If you've been keeping track of the weeks, you know this is a financial week, so thank you for being here. Instead of giving you four straight financial ones in a row, we've been going back and forth. So this, this is a financial week. This is a, a really fun week, actually, too. And I want to review just kind of quickly... The other financial messages, just as a, as a bit of a foundation that we're going to work from. First of all, the first financial message is about lordship. It's about that passage in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says you can't serve both God and the spirit of money. You can only have one master. So the number one thing that we start with is that we have to establish within our hearts who is the Lord. Is, is my provision Lord or is Jesus Lord? And unfortunately, or fortunately actually, we can't have two, you can only have one. And so we start by establishing that Jesus is Lord and when he is truly on the throne of our lives, then we are able to say, Lord, you're my provider, you're my source, nothing else. And it's at that point that we begin to be able to give. And I wanna pause here and just say that, that um, when someone has never trusted the Lord with their finances, ever, and they get to that place where they deal with the lordship issue in terms of provision and security. And they say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And let's just say they, they, they for the very first time, they, they take some money out of their wallet or out of their checkbook or whatever, however they do it, and they give it to the Lord. Let's say it's just $5. They just give $5 to the Lord. I want to tell you, that is a huge deal. That is a really big deal. When you've never trusted the Lord with your money and all of a sudden you give something, it may be a baby step, but I want you to understand this morning, it is a step. And if that's where you're at, hallelujah. Thank you for trusting the Lord. That's a great place to start. That, would be, that, would be the, that was the first uh, financial message. The second one was about tenthing or tithing. And tithing is, to give, is the practice of giving 10% of what we have back to the Lord. And it is literally an act of intentional impoverishment, not full impoverishment, but intentional, partial impoverishment, saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you based on the teaching of the Old and New Testament with this 10th, believing, as Scott said this morning in his, his encouragement to us before he prayed over the offering, that you were going to take care of me. As a matter of fact, you're going to, the scriptures say, Malachi, you're going to open up the windows of heaven. You're going to flood my life with provision. You're going to take care of me. You're going to bless me because I choose to trust you. So those are the first two messages. And I want us to just, again, encourage you here. Don't, when, it's so easy when you hear financial stuff, like once you're kind of on board, if I can say it that way, once you're kind of like in with the financial stuff, you don't mind hearing them. And I'm, I'm not, you know, so if you, just, let's just pretend for a second that Trent, my son, he's like totally on board with this. If he hears a financial message, like he'll just sit there, he'll be the bobblehead like, mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. But let's just say that Susan, not on board. No, she's not on board. It can be easy if you're not on board with this, just kind of pull back and just, I'm just going to ride this out. I'm going to endure this kind of teaching until we get to something that's more that I can bobblehead with because this, should, this certainly isn't it. And I want to encourage you, don't do that. Trust the Lord. Ask the questions. Pray. Let God work in this area because this is a, a tremendous area of breakthrough for you, that you can experience if you will take those steps of faith whether it's the lordship step or it's the tithing step. Don't pull back. I want you to be 
bold. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, I want you to be bold. Good. That wasn't very boldly stated, but I know that the heart was right behind it. You're going to be bold. We're going to look at stewardship in one more way this morning. And I, and I, want, to, I, want, to, I want to do it in levels, if I can say it this way. Level one of stewardship is that lordship level where we just start to say, you know what? God is on his throne. I'm not serving the spirit of money. I'm going to begin to give something. The second level would be the tithing or the tenthing level that I just mentioned. And it's a place where we, we just, our trust goes deeper. It's a lordship thing for sure, but we begin to really make a substantial step forward by trusting him, with, by giving at, at a way, in a way that is, frankly, to the world around us, looks a little bit odd and strange and even crazy. Like who gives away 10% of their, of their, of their income? So that's that second level. So the level one is lordship. Level two would be tithing. I want to talk this morning about level three. It sounds like multi-level marketing, doesn't it? Yes, and I've got a little pitch I'm going to give you. No, it's not that. But there is a third level of giving, and it's sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is, is the third level, and it, that's what we're going to explore. But let me just say it this way before you even get started. This is the wild one. This way is entirely countercultural. This is just out there, way out there. But it is also the place that God will most often show up in miraculous ways when we get to the level of saying, I'm willing to sacrificially give. So look with me at, at Luke chapter 21. This is one of the best examples of sacrificial giving in the scriptures. It's the first four verses of Luke chapter one. This is what it says out of the ESV this morning. It says, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. I think it's interesting to start with, looking at that, that short story, that short account that Luke writes down for us in chapter 21, I think it's hilarious that it says Jesus looked. Like, it's like, we're not supposed to do that, right? Like, if we don't pass plates here, but like, if we were passing plates, the thing you're not supposed to do as the plate goes past you is this. Oh... Or, hmm, you know, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to not look. You're giving is supposed to be in secret. Part of the reason why we have um, offering boxes because they're more private than passing the plate. It was a COVID accommodation initially. Now it is just so it, it's a privacy thing between you and the Lord. We're not, so, like little kids do it, but you're not supposed to look at the person next to you and be like, really? Wow, or be impressed. It, but Jesus, Luke 21, verse one, it says, Jesus looked up. He looked up and he saw what the rich were doing. Now, there's other places in Scripture that talk about how the rich draw, drew attention to themselves, how the spiritually elite drew attention to themselves. So we don't know how they were making their gift. They may have made it very easy for Jesus to be um, drawn into the, their direction because they were making a big, you know, show. Like, hey, hey, everybody, guess what I'm getting ready to do? You know, and they, I don't know what they pull out their coins or whatever. You know, they pull out this big thing and they're shaking down and shoving into the, I don't know what it was like, but it obviously got everyone's attention, at least the Lord's attention. And this is not a, by the way, this is not a parable. 
This isn't Jesus saying, there was a certain poor widow who went to the, that's not what this is. Jesus looks up because he's in the temple. He sees this unfold before him and he calls attention to it by grabbing his disciples and he says, look here, the rich are putting their money in, they're making a big show of it, it's a lot of money. And then this verse two, this poor widow, she comes up and she has two copper coins. I've seen, I've seen actual, in, uh, in a museum, I've seen the size of these coins. They're about the size of, imagine if you were wearing a shirt that had collar buttons. They're about the size of one of those collar buttons, but half as thick. So very, very thin, very, very small. Those two coins represented, we're going to do the math like we did last week, those two coins represented one 128th of a denarius. Remember, Daenerys from last week is a day's wage. So this, this older gal gave one 128th of a, day, a day's wage. Using our state of Missouri minimum wage, $11.15 an hour times eight hours for our working day is $89.20 divided by one 128th equals a grand total of, anybody do the math that quick? 69 cents. So her two little copper coins in our money right now were, it was equal to 69 cents. And she came up and she put her 69 cents in the box. I, I can't imagine that she was trying to draw attention to herself. I don't think she was like, hey, everybody, here it is. Here's my six. And I think that the that, that, that noise of the crowd and the, of the rich people going through was one thing. I think she kind of, this is all Tim. I'm just making this up. But I think she kind of went up and went quietly, Everything that she had, according to the scripture. She gave everything she had to live on. All of it. She turned it over to the Lord. It was not out of abundance. It was out of her poverty, according to Jesus. It was everything that she had. Now, Jesus says that she gave more than the rest of them, that she gave the most of all. Can we clarify just for a second that he is not talking about the actual dollar amount or Daenerys amount. We are talking about the percentage of what she had to give from. Write that down as a matter of fact. As a percentage of her wealth, as a percentage of what she had, this widow's gift was the greatest. It was greater than all of the rich gifts. All of the rich people that were giving, this lady gave more. The equivalency for the rich people would have been if they brought everything that they had and they left it at the temple. Or for us, I'm going to write a check that will be all of my checking, my savings account, my investment account, whatever I have, I'm bringing all of it in and I'm going to leave it here. That's what the equivalency would be. The, the rich folks, even though they gave more dollars or denarii or whatever, they gave more money, it probably didn't make a noticeable difference in their life. You know, they probably... He went to the first century Panera after they did that and had lunch, you know, and they probably didn't think twice about, I think they probably had something like, some of that Panera food is kind of like first century food, isn't it? I mean, just kidding. They went out, I mean, they, did, they went on with their life. They gave out of their abundance, so they didn't feel it in the way that this poor widow did. I tell you, this widow, when she gave that last 69 cents, everything in her life stopped. Immediately, it was significantly impacted because she had nothing left. She gave it all. Now, the text does not tell us why she gave. We don't know why she gave. We can assume that she was led by the Lord, that she was prompted by the Spirit to do this because Jesus is focusing on it. 
So I'm assuming that her motives were right and she was being obedient, but we don't know that exclusively. But it also, we need to be clear here, this is not saying to those of us that are here reading this text 2,000 years later, we're not, the Lord is not saying to us, this is what I expect all of my children to do all of the time. That's not the principle here. That's not what, that's not what Jesus said and that's not what the text would indicate. The scripture's not saying that we have to give everything away, that this is God's command for all people. Things that we do know, though, are these two. Number one, this kind of giving got the attention of the Lord. That this lady's decision in obedience to give what she had left caught Jesus' attention in his eye. And the second thing that we know from this text is that, and based on our own experiences as well, is that the this type of demonstration, this type of giving demonstrates a depth of trust and a depth of obedience that most Christ followers will never experience. I'm not saying that to be judgmental of you or of me or of any other Christ follower. I'm just saying that as it goes, I don't think that many people live their lives ready to give their last 69 cents away. That's not necessarily criticism. I'm just saying that is my take from this text and that what she did was especially Extreme. It was powerfully extreme. Write this down. Sacrificial giving attracts, to affirm that first point, attracts the attention and the admiration of the Lord. Sacrificial giving attracts his attention and it attracts his admiration. He was teaching his disciples about giving by pointing out what this poor widow had put into the offering. And in the broader context of Scripture, when you look at all the Old and New Testament, we can see a pattern that sacrificial giving often precedes miraculous breakthrough. Sacrificial giving precedes that third level, thinking of that again, lordship, tithing, sacrificial giving, that third level often precedes miraculous breakthrough. Think of another widow from a couple thousand years before that in 1 Kings chapter 17. You don't need to turn there, but there was a prophet named Elijah, and Elijah was, you know, doing his prophet thing, and he ended up running into this gal, and she was, the text says this in First, First Kings chapter 17, it says she's out picking up sticks because she's going to make her final meal. She's got a little bit of flour, she's got a little bit of oil, she's going she's gonna to go and she's going to build a little fire. The text actually says in First Kings 17, I'm going to make this meal for my son and I, and then we are going to die. She's a really upbeat person, you can tell. She's like, I'm going to have this meal, and then I'm going to croak. That's going to be the end of us. And Elijah, being a prophet, says, okay, that's fine. It's like, all right, fine, good, good. Before you make your last meal, would you make me a meal? And the lady already said, I only have enough to make one meal for my kid and me, and then we're going to eat it, and then we're going we're gonna to die. But she chooses to be obedient as a widow with very little means, very much in my mind connected to this first, I'm sorry, to uh, Luke chapter 21, she decides to be obedient to the voice of the Lord through the prophet. Lord's representative says, I want you to give me something first before you make your meal for your son and you. And she does it. This is what the text says, 1 Kings 17, starting in verse 15, it says this. It says that she and her son and her household, this is after she fed Elijah, she and her son and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent and neither did the jug of oil become empty. That because she chose to go all in, basically giving her last 69 cents in obedience to the direction of the Lord, this flour bin, this jug of oil, somehow, miraculously, kept making meals. 
It's very much like manna, just enough to get through the day. You imagine she's scraping down. I don't, I want, this is one of the ones I would just love to have seen. She's scraping down the bottom of it. No, it's all empty. And the next morning when she gets up, there's just enough for a little bit more and just enough for a little bit more and just enough for a little bit more. And it kept going and going and going and going. Because miraculous breakthrough follows sacrificial giving. God's kingdom does not move forward through money. God's kingdom does not move forward with money. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's really not about the money. I, I, I wish, I'm certain that I want to tattoo this on your arm. I don't really want to tattoo with it, but I do want you to get this. It's not about the money. Let's be really clear. The kingdom of God will move forward whether we participate in it with finances or not. God is not up in heaven being like, oh, I wish they would give more so I could do something. That's not what he does. Whether we participate in his kingdom realities regarding the giving or not, the, 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 the gospel will go to the ends of the earth before Jesus comes again. That will take place. This whole deal with money is about including us in what he wants to do. It's about helping us to be connected to the supernatural. God uses the resources of his children because he wants to include us in his supernatural work. It's not because God's up there and things are tight because we're not at the beginning of the month yet. It doesn't work like that. With God. I know you know that, but we kind of think that way. Like, if I don't step up, God... No, you don't step up. We, if, I don't, if Tim doesn't step up, Tim loses. The kingdom doesn't lose because it'll happen through someone else. God will find someone else to be obedient. I don't want to miss out on that. I want to be a part of what he's doing supernaturally. He is a good father. Amen? He's a good father. And he understands that I need to grow, that you need to grow. And he also understands that I cannot grow, I will not grow until I am free from looking at wealth as my source and my, provide, my provision. I have to look at him. And so me looking to him and me being used by, for his purposes, his supernatural breakthrough miracles will always include me sacrificing. And sometimes it will be sacrificial like the lady in Luke chapter 21 or the lady in 1 Kings chapter 17. Would God ever ask us to give, us, to give him our last two pennies? Based on what his word says, he would. He has in the past. He will, and he will in the future. He will do this. In the Old Testament, he introduces that principle of tithing. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's affirmed in the New Testament that, that, that tithing is a good thing to do. But, but here's another reality about the kingdom of God. The New Testament always exceeds the standards of the Old Testament. The New Testament always goes further than the Old Testament. Like I've had people, good-meaning people, and they're, I mean, I, they're, they're not evil or anything, but I've had people say, I'm, I'm not in the Old Testament, I don't have to tithe, I'm free from all that. That misses the whole point of what it is that we're supposed to, to be living in in terms of this new covenant. For example, think about Leviticus. You, you all know, you're thinking, I don't know anything in Leviticus. Yes, you do, you know this one for sure. Moses writes this in Leviticus. If anyone injures his neighbor as, he ha as it has been done to him, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given back to him. So we know that, right? An eye for an Right, a tooth for a Right, so the idea being like if you, I don't know. I don't even know. I, I can't even imagine how this would work. But something happens and you take someone's eye out, 
I am so sorry. You're not going to have two eyes anymore. You're only going to have one. That's what, the teaching, that's what the teaching of the old law was, the teaching of the first covenant. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. If anyone slaps you, oops, slaps you on the right cheek, then you turn to him the other also. The New Testament goes beyond the Old Testament, always, in all things, not just in giving, not just with retribution like these two passages here. In all things, the Old Testament is a baseline that we build from to the New Testament. We stand on it as we go forward, as we go up. It's a foundation from which to trust God for even more. God doesn't give us permission in the New Testament to do less than the Old Testament. God gives us grace to go beyond the Old Testament in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. Write this down if you would. The New Covenant never, never provides us license to worship, to serve, to love, or to give less. The New Covenant, by God's grace, frees us from the law so that we can always go above and beyond. Things like sacrificial giving. And so if you and I listen to the Holy Spirit... We're listening to the Spirit. We're trying to be a people that is, that is surrendered, that, have, that are affirming the Lordship of Christ. We're, we're in that place where we're giving to Him, where we're trusting Him with our income. We're trusting Him with the resources He gives to us. It is very possible that sometime in your life, God will ask you to go way above and beyond to something that's sacrificial. It is very possible that at some point, God will say, you know what? I want you to, I don't want you to up it to 20%. I don't want you just to tithe. I want you to double tithe. It happens to people. I know people that double tithe. He may say at some point, I want you to put your whole paycheck in, the box or the app or whatever, however you choose to give and wherever you choose to give it. I was just talking to someone recently who told me that their, their, their father, a Christ follower of a lot of faith, man of God, would every time he got a raise, he would give the first check of the new raise, the whole thing, boom, to the Lord. That's sacrificial giving. There may be a time in your life where, where you've got a car and God says, I want you to give your car to someone else. There may be a time where God says, I want you to give your house to someone else. There may be a time where God says, I want you to give your last 69 cents. I want you to give it all to someone else. I know, friends, I know this stuff is extreme. This is out there. Who does this? Are you guys a cult? You know, I get it. This feels weird because it stretches our faith. But please understand something. This world system does not function like the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we have to be, we are followers, servants. And we do what the master says if we want to walk in harmony and blessing from the master. I know it sounds extreme, but the extreme places are where the miracles take place. The miracles in our own lives and the miracles in someone else's life. Just, let's just play a little game for a second. Let's just say, let's just say that you have a car and there's someone in your life, let's make her a single mom with two kids, and she needs a car. And God says to your heart, the Spirit says to your heart, I want you to give your car to that person. Give your car to that lady. The miracle that you get to participate in, it's a miracle that if you'd be obedient, because that's a big deal to give your car away, but the miracle you participate in is, is that lady's praying, God, I need a car. And he chooses to include us in that answered prayer. And we get to be part of a miracle, not just for ourselves, but for someone else. So much fun to be able to trust Lord with those big things. Susan has an uh, um, engagement ring. 
We just got hitched last week. We decided to go ahead and make it official. No, she has her, she has her grandma's engagement ring, um, which was great because I didn't have 69 cents when we got married. So it was, there was no way she was going to get one. So we, we used her grandma's. It's a really nice ring. But it's the second engagement ring of her grandma because the first engagement ring, she was in a church service early on in her life with her husband who was a pastor and they were seeking to raise funds for missions or something. I don't even know the full details of the story, but her first engagement ring and her first wedding band went into the offering plate. Sacrificial giving. When the Lord says, I want the last 69 cents, she said, okay. And she trusted him. And when we started this series of messages on breakthrough, I told you I was believing that we were individually supposed to be wrestling with these things, but that we were also collectively supposed to be wrestling with these things. That, that Grace Church as a body, as a family, as a, as, a, as a community of faith also needed to wrestle through into new places of breakthrough. And so my, my question as I'm closing this morning is just this to you. What, what kind of church do you want to be a part of? What kind of a community do you want to be? Do you want to be the kind of community collectively, all of us together, where we just kind of, we, we're good people, amen, right? I mean, we're good people, but we're just kind of dabbling, you know, a little bit of faith, a little bit of obedience. Or do, do you want to be, and I hope you do, the kind of congregation that just says, we're willing to go all in. We're willing to get it all. Whatever that looks like. That's what I'm praying for us. I want that for you. Obviously, I want that for me. I want us to be those kinds of people, but I want us collectively to have that spirit as a church as well. When Susan and I first arrived, and I'm almost finished, when we first arrived, um, uh, we didn't make a lot of changes at all, but, but pretty soon after being here for a while and moving these chairs around and everything, I thought, you know, I would sure be nice to get some new chairs here. These chairs work fine. Don't, don't you know, don't, it's okay. Everything's good. You're not gonna fall to the floor or anything. They're gonna hold you. But I just, eh, just, Time for some new chairs, which, by the way, is not sinful. Amen? You're not very, that's not very loud. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Apparently it is. No, I mean, <clears throat> I just thought it'd be nice to get new chairs. So I bring it to the council. Our church council is our kind of our advisory board, our governing um, group of folks here made up of men and ladies from this church. And I was talking to them about it, and they, they were like, okay, well, kind of see that. And we had a good conversation, but no, it wasn't arousing like, yes, let's go do that. And between one meeting and the next, I was praying about this very thing, wanting to get new chairs. And the Lord laid on my heart. First of all, someone said it to me this way. This is definitely a first world problem. You heard of first world problems, you know, like new chairs, like there's people with no chairs. First world problem. But the thing that the Lord laid on my heart was we need to invest in somebody else before we worry about ourselves. Like we've got this beautiful building. It really is. It's a gorgeous building, and it's this beautiful piece of property, and this wonderful place in town here, and this nice room, and it's just so much great stuff here. Rather than just like, hey, let's just improve one little area and get more chairs, why don't we instead as a church family find some other congregation or some missions organization or some, some ministry that's in real need, and why don't we get radical about supporting them? Why don't we give what we're going to give to them, and then let the Lord do something miraculous for us, or not, because that's not the point. So I don't have an announcement for you yet, but you'll be getting one soon. We're going to give some money away to someone else because we want to be that church that's focused outside, not just on what we can do here. And I want us to be those kinds of people that aren't just focusing on, on what we can give ourselves, but rather we're looking to the needs of others, knowing that the Lord's going to take care of us, knowing he's going to work miracles in our lives too.
Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you and I want to pray for us as we close this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Oh, thank you for the richness of your word. Thank you for your patience with us as we learn things. You are so incredibly gracious. You just give us space to, um, to learn and to figure things out. And you're okay as we're taking two steps forward and one step back. You're gracious with us. You're kind with us. You're patient with us. Thank you for that, Lord. And I, I pray for us individually that we would be a people, Lord, who have settled the lordship issue regarding Jesus. We're not serving money. And I pray, Lord, that you'd move us into that next place where we become a people that just, it's the norm. We're just trusting God. We're returning that tenth to him. But finally, also, Lord, I pray that you would move us individually into places where we are listening to you and trusting you in such a way that you could ask us for a lot more than a tenth. And we would say, in faith, yes, Lord, it's yours. Take it. Lord, that we would be like the, the little boy that uh, had his meal taken, <laughs> offered his meal to the disciples when you wanted to feed all those people. It wasn't enough, but he gave it all. And you did a miracle, Lord. May we be people who put the last two copper coins and the last 69 cents in, if that's what you say to do, trusting that you're gonna do something so far beyond and you've chosen in your gracious love to include us in the supernatural. May we see it that way. And Father, as a church, may Grace Church family, may this body of believers be the kind of congregation that goes all in. We just go for it. We don't hold back. We don't dabble. We don't shrink back. Rather, we step out in faith. We walk by faith. We trust you. And we get to see collectively you do miracles in and through us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Just stick your hands out in front of you as if you were going to receive a gift. I want to bless you in the name of the Lord before Miss Mona comes. Grace Church family, be blessed. As you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, as you don't lean on your own understanding, be blessed. Grace Church family, you'll be blessed as you acknowledge God in all of your ways because he will make your path straight. In Jesus' name. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you'd like more information about giving your life to Jesus, email us at info at grace417.com. That's I-N-F-O at grace417.com. We pray you have a blessed day.